In episode 427 with Dr. Aviva Rom, we are diving deep into all things adrenal fatigue, hormones, and so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Guess what, my beautiful friend? My fourth book, Comparisonitis, How to Stop Comparing Yourself to Others and Be Genuinely Happy is out right now. Number one, New York Times bestselling author and social media sensation Jay Shetty said, never before has a book been more needed. Future generations will thank Melissa for shining a spotlight on comparisonitis. And multiple New York Times bestselling author Gabby Bernstein said, since Melissa refers to people who have recovered from comparisonitis as unicorns, I suppose that makes this a sort of unicorn training manual. I'm so grateful that such a manual has arrived. It's been infinitely helpful to me. Head to comparisonitis.com or Amazon to get your copy today. Hello, my beautiful friend, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited for you to be here today because we haven't spoken much about adrenal fatigue or thyroid issues on the podcast. And today we are diving deep into how to identify if you have adrenal fatigue or thyroid issues or hormonal imbalances and what you can do to fix them. And for those of you that have never heard of Dr. Aviva Rom, she is a world-renowned midwife and herbalist who also happens to be a Yale-trained MD and board-certified family physician who specializes in integrative gynecology, obstetrics, and pediatrics. Her new book, Hormone Intelligence, is an instant New York Times bestseller, and it invites women into a whole new conversation about hormones, bodies, and health, and brings us a new medicine for women that is at once holistic and natural while being grounded in the best science and medicine have to offer. So let's dive right in. Aviva, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Yes, I can. So we have a garden. And my husband picked fresh arugula. So we had arugula with a little bit rice vinegar and salt, and then a frittata that I made yesterday. So I made a frittata with local eggs from a nearby farm, red pepper from our garden, basil from our garden, broccoli, and I sprinkled a little Parmesan on the top and baked that. And then we had a local sourdough bread on the side. We have a really famous bakery that's about 10 minutes from our house. It is a dream of mine to be able to walk out into my own backyard and just collect my own produce. So that is goals. It's so dreamy. We've always had a garden for the most part, but this is sort of our hopefully forever house. And so now we have a 2,500 square foot. It's massive. And we're learning to grow into 
the autumn and winter. So we actually now have greens, lettuces, arugula, kale, collards, mustard greens, all growing under these kind of fabric tents and in a cold frame. It's really special. Oh my goodness. How amazing. I'm going to come over one day. Please just, do. I just want to oh check gosh. out your garden. That sounds beautiful. It's really wonderful. So tell me how you got to where you are today. You have written some incredible books on hormones, thyroid, women's health, pregnancy, vaccination, children. You have covered such a broad range of topics. And we're going to dive into your incredible books very soon. But how did you get here? Yeah, it's kind of a really interesting and amazing story when I think back on it. So long story short, I'm going to encapsulate 40 years, literally. I grew up in a housing project in New York City, so public subsidized housing with a single mom and a younger brother. And I was a smart, geeky, sciencey kid and got a scholarship to go to college when I was 15. And I thought I was going to be a physician. And then within the first month, and now let's go back. This is 1981 I'm talking about. I got exposed to organic farming and herbal medicine and home birth midwifery, which back then were really, really fringe. I left school at 16 and apprenticed to a home birth midwife. You know, I went vegetarian. My family thought I had joined a cult. And I was like, look, you know, I was smart enough to get into college at 15. So just trust me. (laughs) And they're like, okay. And I apprenticed to a midwife and ultimately practiced as a midwife, practiced as an herbalist. Now, fast forward some years, I have children. Fast forward, I have four children. I'm you know, practicing as a midwife, herbalist, running the national, like the largest international botanical medicine organization, which is a nonprofit, writing all these books. And things were still fringe enough that it was really polarized. You either did what your doctor told you, or you had to really search out of the box. And it was really hard to find people who were doing anything alternative. There weren't really certifications or licensures. There was barely naturopathic medicine at that time. That was like licensed in the US. And so I was like, you know what? There are really few great doctors that you can go to who understand where you're coming from if you do need to go into the medical system. So I went back to school, finished my undergraduate degree with four kids in tow and went to med school. And that was just like the ride of a lifetime. It was amazing. I went to Yale Med School, did my internship at Yale in internal medicine, did my residency in family medicine, and since have been bridging these worlds, right? Like creating a new medicine for women and moms that isn't you don't have to be all the way out of the box, but you can be. You don't have to be all the way in the box, but if you need to be, you know, you can you can access that. And yeah, so that's kind of how I came to be where I am. It all started with me at 15, recognizing that the path I was on was not sustainable for me. I was living in this housing project. It was the kind of early edges of freebasing and crack. And it was becoming a more scary environment for me as a young woman. I was commuting an hour and a half to high school because I was in this very specialized science high school. I gained 30 pounds that year, 30 pounds. I was like this very slim, 
girl when I started. And then I was like 130 pounds when I was about two thirds of the way through my ninth grade year. And something inside me, and this is where I don't quite know exactly how I got here, but something inside me, like almost like a survival instinct or I don't know, my path really spoke to me. And I actually wrote a letter to Johns Hopkins University. I wrote to the med school. I just wrote a letter, like back when you actually had to write a letter and lick the envelope and put a stamp on it. And I put it in the mail and I just said, I would really like to start medical school early. I was 15 years old and I asked if I could skip high school and skip college. But what was really amazing was somebody actually wrote back and said, well, we can't take you because you're too young and you do actually have to finish high school and go to college. But there's a private college that will take people your age. And that was what set the ball rolling. And I think that there's something to be said about asking and surrendering. And sometimes the magic can happen. And I feel like that is really partly what set me on my path. And then along the way, an incredible amount of grit and hard work. I mean, I won't deny that I have worked many, many hours and, you know, in med school as a mom, sacrificed kids' birthdays at times because you have to be on call on the oncology board and you can't just leave. And I've been really fortunate to have some wonderful teachers along the way. A First Nations Shoshone woman who was an herbal and midwife teacher. I had the fortune of apprenticing in an intentionally African-American collective of midwives for several years who were really reclaiming traditional midwifery, many herbal teachers. So it's been a collective effort to get here too. And my partner, my partner has been incredibly supportive of me writing books and, you know, doing all these things on the journey. That sounds amazing. The experience that you would have got working in those communities, that just sounds amazing. Do you still practice midwifery? I do, but in a different form in the sense that I'm not attending births on a regular basis or doing traditional prenatal care on a regular basis. So I, I, I midwifed my two grandchildren at home. I've been at my best friend's grandchildren's birth and my friend, Gabby Bernstein, who you probably know, Gabby, I was at her birth. So I'll go to the occasional birth like that, but I still consider myself a midwife, even the way that I practice medicine is really through the lens of a midwife. And I still provide prenatal support, birth and postpartum support and birth guidance. So I've always continued to do that. Even as a physician through my training, I included obstetrics in my family medicine training. But now it's more like when a woman has a specific prenatal challenge or postpartum challenge. So let's say she's struggling with depression and anxiety prenatally, or maybe she is on the cusp of gestational diabetes and her doctor really doesn't have anything to offer but conventional medicine. And it's not a situation that 100% requires. I mean, obviously if you're pregnant and something is going on that you need conventional medicine, that's the best approach. But there are a lot of gray areas where we can often reverse things or prevent things from worsening using a more integrative approach. So that's what I do. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, we had a situation in the US, I don't know what it was like for you guys, but we had a situation here where pregnant women were being told and required to go into the hospital and birth alone. No doula, no partner. And so I got really inspired and and kind of like mama bear actually about 
fiercely protecting the rights of pregnant women to have support, pregnant people to have support. So I kind of got back into midwife mode and ended up creating this 40-hour prenatal birth and postpartum education program with a weekly support group that's been free and going on now for almost 18 months. So that has kind of reinvigorated the intensity with which I am working with pregnant and new mamas again. I love it. Yeah, it's really wonderful. Beautiful. I gave birth earlier this year to my first child and I had a beautiful home birth and I had an amazing midwife doula and my husband. And when you were saying that many women were birthing without their doula, without their husbands, without their midwives, like I was just saying this morning, my husband, Nick, was my hero in my birth. The way that he showed up for me, the way that he held space for me physically and emotionally. I had the dream birth because I had the most amazing support. And, you know, I did the work as well. But one of the reasons I believe is because I had that amazing support. So I'm so glad that you created that program and that community for people and your books. You know, you've got the botanical medicine for women's health, you've got natural healthy babies and children, you've got the natural pregnancy book, you've got a book on vaccinations. You have really created such beautiful things for people to dive deep into having really healthy, happy births and babies and also making sure the mama is thriving. Yeah. You know, back in the day, there just, when I first started this work, there really wasn't anything to speak of to support mamas with a more physiologic, natural you know, like really trusting your body approach. And so I just took what I was telling the mamas that I was working with in real time all the time and put it into words so more folks could get it. And, you know, I feel like it's been a really interesting moment with the pandemic because there are so many people who would never have considered home birth before, but the pandemic just because of lack of access to hospitals, hospitals being full, people being turned away, the fear of going in by oneself without one's partner, without a support network, the fear of getting exposed to COVID drove the home birth movement to such a new level here and and the awareness. And I think it's really beautiful. It's not for everyone. And some people aren't, it's not a medically appropriate choice, but I think that it opened the door to that as a possibility to me is very exciting because we've so medicalized women's bodies historically with conventional medicine. And to be able to see as you experience the power of what your body can do, and we can see that in any setting, but that gift of being able to have a home birth is quite transformative in a unique sort of way. Life-changing. It was truly life-changing for me and my husband. Like We will never be the same after that experience. It was magical and expansive and huge and beautiful and all of the things. It was just incredible. And I'm excited that people have been exposed to it as well because of the pandemic. How old is your little? Right now, she is just over six months. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. It is the best. I love being a mom so much. She is so adorable and brings so much joy. It's awesome. You just never knew how wide your heart could crack open, did you? It's just incredible. Exactly. You have no idea. And then you experience it and you're like, oh, okay, this is what everyone was talking about. Yep. 
And then it's a lot too, right? I mean, it's exhausting. It's all the things. It's all the things. Exactly. All the things and sometimes all at the same time. True. True that. I know my oldest is 36 and my youngest is 27. And even my grandkids now are almost 10 and seven. And I just can't believe how sometimes the days seemed so long and the nights seemed so long. And now it's just like, oh, I miss those tiny little person days. Oh, exactly. And soak it up. We've got to soak it up because they'll be six and then 16 and then 26 before we know it. And, you know, I was chatting to a friend and she was asking me about my birth and I was sharing my story and she said to me, oh, it sounds like you had an incredible birth and look at how healthy she is and how healthy you are now, you know, since the birth. And we got talking about how I did a lot of prep before my birth. I did a lot of physical prep and also emotional prep. And I want to talk about the role hormones play, which you've got a book on, and I want to dive deep into that. But I really want to touch on adrenals because something that I hear a lot, whether it's on my social media or friends, so many people suffering from adrenal fatigue and thyroid problems and really feeling like they are completely burnt out. Their adrenals are completely fried. I've had adrenal fatigue, so I know what it feels like. And you have a guide, a five-step drug-free protocol to reverse adrenal fatigue in as little as two weeks. How can people identify if they have adrenal fatigue? And then what is this five-step drug-free protocol that we can do because I want everyone, firstly, to feel great in their body, to feel healthy and to feel happy. I want everyone to feel that. And the more work, and this is for all the future mamas listening, the more of this healing work you do now, the better. Because when you have your baby, you need your adrenals, you need your hormones, you need those things more than ever. I mean, you need them all the time, but even more so when you were doing the night feeds and all those things. So talk to us about how we can identify if we have an adrenal issue and what we can do about it. Yeah. So, you know, I think just our culture drives us so hard. And as women, we drive ourselves so hard. And I'm guessing that a lot of your community, your online community who are listening to us maybe entrepreneurial spirited folks as well. And as you know, and as I know, I mean, I heard this expression that the entrepreneur is the person who would rather work 80 hours a week for themselves than 40 hours a week for someone else. And 80 hours a week doesn't touch it sometimes, right? When you're in a launch. So I think that there are a few things. One, our culture drives us really hard. But even going back before that, a lot of women experience trauma, whether it's emotional trauma, psychological trauma, sexual trauma, physical trauma, as kids, as teenagers, as young women, sort of the microaggressions that we're always dealing with can be exhausting. And then you add to that all the factors that cause us to not sleep well, whether that's our diets and the coffee that we're drinking to keep our energy up or the couple of glasses of wine that we might be having at night to sort of reward ourselves for the exhausting day 
or the social media that we're on and the blue light that we're on until the end of the day. So there are a lot of factors that are causing our body to not be able to go into a rested state. So how do you know you're there? Well, one thing is that if you find yourself saying things or thinking things like, oh my God, I can't take it anymore, or I'm going to break, or I'm at the end of my rope, or I'm living on fumes, or I'm exhausted, or I'm burnt out, or I just can't take one more thing, or it's the straw that's going to break the camel's back. Like If you're already saying and feeling those things, or if you're having to drive yourself with caffeine, or if you are really having like late morning energy crashes or afternoon energy crashes where you're craving sugar or caffeine or you know something like that to just drive your energy if when you go to bed at night you're tired and wired meaning you're exhausted like you know you're exhausted but then when you lay down you just you feel like the lights are still on in your head if you are waking up in the middle of the night and you can't go back to sleep, if you're waking up in the morning and you're not refreshed, those are some of the sort of very core signs that your adrenals might be in overdrive or that you're on the burnt out end of things. But there are a lot of other symptoms too that we don't necessarily think of. Thyroid problems can be a reflection of our adrenal stress response being taxed being really jumpy and irritable and startled easily or being really apt to snap at other people, your hormones being offline, whether that's your menstrual cycle or you're having signs that your estrogen is too high, your progesterone is too low, and then immune system symptoms. If you have cold sores or if you have herpes and you're getting a lot of outbreaks, if you have colds a lot more than you think you should, if you always feel a little bit under the weather, or frighteningly, if you have autoimmune symptoms, that can be a more advanced sign of something going on in the adrenals, digestive system problems, weight gain around your middle, brain fog. There's a whole list. And so, so many of the chronic symptoms that women are experiencing right now in our cultures can really be traced back to that stress response being overactivated, or we have been in an overactive stress response for so long that our stress response is like, we got to turn down the volume and not really respond at all. And then you're just really feeling wiped out. You basically described me 10 years ago. I had cold sores all over my face. I had autoimmune issues. I had hives and eczema. Yes, hives, eczema. And another really important one that may be so subtle, but lack of willpower and the inability to get your drive motivated is really a big sign of that that we don't think of. So what did you do? I want to know what you did. Okay, Everything, everything. I did everything. And sometimes people will message me because they know that I had cold sores all over my face. The first outbreak, which was when I completely broke, which was the last straw for me, I was in hospital for a week. And at that time, I had cold sores all over my face from my eyes down. I had them in my mouth and down my throat. And I couldn't eat, I couldn't talk, and I couldn't even open my mouth. Like I had to talk like this because I couldn't. And so I went into the hospital, and the doctor was just like, You are completely burnt out. You have 
thyroid problems, you have this, you have that, you have adrenal fatigue. Basically, my lifestyle had completely burnt me out. And they put me on morphine straight away. And I was on antibiotics and antivirals. And they put me on morphine because the severity of the cold sores, my face felt like it was on fire because there were so many and it was stinging. I actually described it as it felt like piranhas were eating my face. And I remember them putting the morphine in through the drip and I was asleep from Saturday to Wednesday. You needed that though. Oh my gosh. Totally. And I remember waking up in the hospital on the Wednesday and my mum was by my side and the, the hospital room was dark and I woke up and she said, hi, darling, how are you feeling? And I said, oh, you know, I kind of grunted and I said, I'm going to go to the toilet. So I got out of bed and was wheeling my drip over to the toilet to go to the bathroom. And she said, darling, I don't want you to look in the mirror. And I remember going, okay, well, of course I'm going to look in the mirror now. And by that time, all of the open cold sores had turned into like a giant scab. So it looked like someone had taken a blowtorch to my face. And I remember just crying and crying and thinking, there's got to be another way to live. Could you feel it happening? Like, could you feel the burnout coming and you were ignoring it or were circumstances just requiring you to keep pushing? What was happening? A bit of both, a bit of both, but I definitely kept on ignoring the warning signs to stop and slow down. I didn't want to feel the emotions that were rising within me. So I kept on suppressing and pushing and going harder and partying. That was my thing. I just kept on suppressing with alcohol and just kept on going out. And I lived for the weekend just so I could numb the pain. And I was just go, 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 burn, burn, burn. And that was the last straw for me. And I remember thinking at that moment in hospital, there has got to be another way to live. And I remember having this voice inside me and I didn't know this at the time, but it was my intuition and I didn't know, I didn't know what it was back then. Like what it sounded like. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I remember it said, Melissa, if you get healthy and happy, you will live a life beyond your wildest dreams. You will live the life that you truly came here to live. And I remember thinking, okay, just got to get happy and healthy. Just got to get happy and healthy. Just got to get happy and healthy. And I literally made that my assignment. I almost studied it like you would to get a PhD. I did everything, everything physically, everything emotionally that I possibly could to change and transform my entire life. So when people say to me, how did you get rid of your cold sores? I'm like, well, how long have you got? Like I did so many things physically, but then also emotionally, like I did a lot of gut healing and hormone healing and everything like that. But I also did a lot of emotional work and a lot of trauma therapy and things like that. You know, when I, when I was first starting to write The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, I had a really interesting experience and I have generally been able to pace my life. I mean, I was midwifing, so yes, I would have two nights of no sleep sometimes, but I, you know, in between it was more restful. 
And then of course, med school and residency, and I had four kids at the time, was very intense. And then when I was still in my medical training, because of my unique background, you know, here I am a Yale trained MD, I've got this textbook on botanical medicine for women's health, been in this leadership position in the wellness world. I had a lot of job offers and I took a job at a very high profile medical practice. And I, and I loved it for two years, but things were happening there that weren't in alignment with who I am. And it was no judgment on where I was, but it wasn't in alignment with me. And that is really important for me. For whatever reason, I think every human being is wired differently. And for me, I feel it very acutely when I'm not in alignment with my truth. I feel like I'm being dishonest to someone else, but I'm actually being dishonest to myself. So over a long process, I stepped away from that job and the person I was working for was furious with me, like really threatened me at a primal level. And it was so interesting because I had to step away from the job because I knew it was going to lead me to a really unhealthy place. And so I finalized it with the person and they were completely like freaking out like they were freaking out at me so badly on the phone that I put them on speakerphone so my husband could hear because I thought nobody would believe that this is coming out of this person's mouth. And they were like threatening me. And then I hung up the phone and you would think I would have been in complete distress, but it was so interesting. You know, when you're in an electrical storm and the power goes out in your house, the electricity goes out in your house and it becomes completely quiet, right? Like it's, you don't even hear your refrigerator humming and you realize that there's always this little bit of background noise and it's so quiet. And I had this feeling inside myself and I can actually feel it in my like solar plexus. It was like this complete feeling of stillness, like the motor had stopped running. And it was at that moment of letting go of this high profile job that my own trauma of having grown up in a housing project and then going to college at 15 after being in this high profile high school and writing all these books, all things that like I loved that I did. But at the same time, the underlying part of that was fear of not having enough. I mean, I had grown up in a housing project. I'd stood on a welfare line with my mother. So it wasn't an irrational fear, but it was this fear constantly driving me to say yes to everything and do more and do more and do more. And then all of a sudden I had this complete sense of quiet. And I was like, wow, I had no idea that I was living with this really intense, high functioning anxiety. Like anxiety was pushing me to always do more. And so it was just sort of coincidental because so many women were reaching out to me about adrenal problems and thyroid problems that I then had this moment that also required me like you to go within. For me, it wasn't physical symptoms, but it was the way I was living my life that I needed to reframe what enough meant, like what it meant to be enough and to start to identify when I was shifting into that behavior, because it's that behavior for me that leads me away from my core trauma. It sounds like it was partying for you that led you away from your core trauma. For me, it was like working and achieving more that led me away from mine. So a lot of women come to me and yes, I mean, the five steps that you were talking about are working with our gut, working with a diet that supports 
calming the nervous system and supporting that parasympathetic nervous system, making sure that we're addressing environmental exposures that are causing chronic inflammation that drive our adrenal uh, glands to be overactive and produce cortisol to calm that inflammation and getting sleep, like really allowing ourselves to know when we need to rest every day and know when we need to rest in the bigger picture. But also it is going in and doing that work of looking at what I have come to identify as on the one hand, our superpowers, and on the other hand, those superpowers sometimes have a shadow side. Like for me, high achievement and excellence are my superpower, but then the shadow side of that is chronically being driven. And I'm sure like there's some part of like how you were partying you're probably a real social connector and there's like all these superpowers, but then there's the shadow side. So to me, that's one of the symptoms that I really try to get my patients to look at is when are you in your shadow side? When are you coming from a place of fear, anxiety, not enough, all of those kind of things that can drive our adrenals really hard? Mm, Yes. What do you think out of those five things is the first one to start with? Well, I think that the first two, if I may, because they're both equally important, are identifying when we need to rest and making sure that we're getting seven to nine hours of sleep, like uncompromised. If you're listening to me and going, yeah, but I can't sleep, really working on that, like getting with your sleep the way you would get with someone who you're in love with. Like, and you can't, like, you're just like all about making them a part of your life. You got to make sleep a really good part of your life. And then the other, I would say is how we eat. And probably the biggest piece, aside from, you know, the obvious things like processed food and sugar and all of that is not letting our blood sugar get low. So as women, we're, and busy women, we often skip meals We may have coffee for our breakfast, you know, and I'm not talking about intermittent fasting. We're just not nourishing ourselves. And if our blood sugar gets low, that is a very ancient sign to our nervous system that something is very, very wrong, that we are in danger. Your brain needs energy. Your brain uses 80% of your body's energy. And so if you're not getting enough energy to feed your head, to feed your brain, your brain will put you into distress mode. That will make you crave sugar and all of that, but it also deeply activates the adrenals. So making sure that you're keeping that like steady blood sugar and then steady sleep rhythm. If you could start with that and if that's all you do, you know, that's so important. But then under that, we have to look at the causes of inflammation, our gut, you know, all of those things that can be triggering us too. I feel like with sleep and diet, they're low-hanging fruits that we can all make a huge shift today with. You know, it's it's not like we have to go out and we have to buy biohacking tools and things like that. Just start to have a look at your sleep hygiene and have a look at your diet and really ask yourself whether they are supporting you to be the best version of yourself or whether they are depleting you. They are things that we can look at right now. I take my sleep very seriously. My husband jokes that if I went to the sleep Olympics, I would win gold. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's been a bit different since having a baby. However, I have still made sure that my sleep hygiene is 
really good. So she goes to bed at seven and I get into bed at seven as well. And some people are like, but, but why, how do you do that? I'm like, I literally pull my sheets back and I get in. They're like, but how? And I'm like, put my pajamas on and get in. Right. Like, yep. it's not that <laughs> challenging. But I mean, I don't have four other little kids. I don't have a whole lot of other kids running around the house. I do have a 15-year-old bonus son and he gets into bed at that same time. We all get into bed and we all read. That's what we do in our house too. It's just like people expect to fall asleep. You know, you like shut your electronics the minute you like put your head down because you've already brought your smartphone to bed with you and you're still checking it. And then you wonder why you can't fall asleep. You watch something really stimulating. Then you check your Instagram and you're like all activated because you see somebody doing this and somebody doing that. And you're like, now you have FOMO. And then there's the blue light coming off of all of those devices. And you had a glass or two of wine in the evening and you had some chocolate at four o'clock in the afternoon. I say to my patients all the time and to my online community, good sleep starts the morning of and how we start our day, how we move through our day, and then especially how we shift into our evenings. You know, it's evening here because we're such a time distance apart. And I actually have my pajama bottoms on, my beautiful Lunya pajama bottoms on with my sweater on top so I can shift into bedtime mode after. And you can see like I have dim lighting going on behind me. I have a little overhead lighting on for our filming purposes, but we shift in the evening to lamps instead of overhead lighting. And we read real books in bed, you know, the paper kind. It really makes a difference. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I've spoken so much about sleep on the podcast, getting the blue light blocking glasses and the lighting and keeping the devices out of your bedroom. We all know the healthy boundaries we need to set with ourselves so that we can get a really good night's sleep and so that we can thrive and be the best version of ourselves. But the real question is, why aren't you doing it? So what is the self-sabotaging in a mean girl belief that you have or story that you have playing in your mind that is stopping you? You know, is it some sort of sabotaging thought that you have? Oh, I just want to check what one this person's doing. You know, that's the questions that we need to look at because we all know that going to bed with our phone is probably not going to be very conducive to a good night's sleep. So we need to ask, why are we doing these things? And I think too, sometimes I know for me as a busy younger mom, when my kids were in their, you know, tween or even pre-tween and teen years, because my oldest and my youngest are nine years apart, sometimes they would stay up until nine o'clock. And then I, you know, they'd be like, okay, we kind of had to rule everyone to your bedroom at a certain point, or we had family bed at some time. So maybe it'd be like one was still in the room with us, but it was tuck in time where we all just deserve to have a little bit of time to ourselves. But sometimes I would, I would get a second wind when the kids went to bed of like, it's quiet. I have time to myself. And then would push and stay up later. And I think that there may be phases in our life where it's okay to do that once in a while. But if you've already been in a place where your adrenals or thyroid or immune system or gut or sleep, or hormones are paying a price, it's so worth it to nurture good sleep. And it's really true. Like we know there is a sweet spot 
it's not less than seven hours and not more than nine hours, unless you know, you're know you pregnant or sick or something and you need more sleep. For some reason, you're recovering, you need more sleep. But that seven to nine hours and just going under that seven hours, and I know you want to talk about women's hormones too. I'm game to go wherever you want to go with the conversation. But you know, it's not just our adrenals and thyroid that get off the rails. It's our menstrual cycles that they need rhythm. And when we're off our rhythm, it shows up in our female hormones too. So for everyone listening, dial in your sleep. Treat your sleep like you are training for the sleep Olympics and just stick to it for a week or two weeks and see how you feel. Because I know back when I was partying, I had that mentality of I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know, that sort of thing. I did not take my sleep seriously. It wasn't until I understood the importance and the power of it that I started to get really serious about it. And now I feel awesome for it. So I want everyone listening to just make it a little project for yourself to really dial in your sleep and take it seriously. And it will affect every area of your life, including your adrenals, everything. It does. Your gut, I mean, we know that the gut microbiome can actually get jet lagged. So our circadian rhythm and the gut microbiome circadian rhythm are completely synced up, right? No surprise, everything is connected. But when you're disrupting your sleep, you're disrupting the natural biorhythm of your microbiome. In fact, unhealthy microbiota die off when we're sleeping and new ones are regenerated when we're sleeping, which may be one of the reasons that women who are getting less sleep actually crave sugar because we're having disrupted microbiome. It's one of the reasons that less sleep actually leads to us just carrying five to 10 pounds more weight because of that disrupted cortisol and disrupted microbiome. Your detoxification patterns require you to sleep at night. Your ovarian detoxification requires your body to produce melatonin. So it's really important for ovulation and fertility. And when do we produce the most of that? When we're sleeping overnight. So it's really, when you say it's connected to everything, I think it's like, okay, what does that really mean? It's like, it really is connected to everything. Hmm. And like you said before, the hormones, which you've got another incredible book all about hormones. How important do the role of hormones play with us just being the best version of ourselves? A hundred percent. I mean, you know, we can't separate what's happening in our body, our minds, and our lives. It's all connected. But on a sort of almost like statistical level, let's just break it down to some things that are really easy to comprehend. Women who experience menstrual pain, women who experience heavy bleeding, are actually less likely to be able to finish graduate school, advance in their careers to the level they want to, simply because of missed days of work, just from menstrual pain and just from heavy bleeding. So like on a just sort of super basic level, it can really affect with our economy, our confidence, our achievement. I have had patients who have been unable to show up for a date, for a job interview, for a grad school interview, for a performance, for an appearance they had to give because of acne related to 
hormonal problems, people who have just really difficult relationships because they feel horrible so much of the time, you know, hormonally. So there's really no aspect of our lives and our deeper empowerment and feelings of confidence and success that aren't tied in to our hormones and just the energy to do the things that we want to do is so tied into how we feel hormonally. I want everyone listening, if you suspect you have any hormonal imbalances, to not ignore them. I see this a lot, you know, especially in the younger women and people that follow me and reach out to me. They ignore the intense cramps or they ignore the skipping of the period or the acne and they just think it's part of being Being a female. Yeah. And it's not, you know. I remember an Ayurvedic doctor said to me one time when this was years ago, when I was first on my health journey, he said to me, Melissa, menstrual cramps, you're not meant to get pain. And I was like, what? You're not meant to get pain? Like I'm buckled over for two days in bed on all of the drugs with the hot water bottle. That's not normal. Doesn't everyone feel that? And he said to me, no, that is not normal. So If you have any of these little niggles, I want to encourage you to grab your book or do some healing of your hormones because you will thank yourself later. Your future self will thank you so much. You're the only person I've ever been on an interview with or that I've talked with who also uses the word niggles. I'm like, if that's niggling at you... Don't ignore those things that are niggling at you. Well, you know, you're so spot on. I mean, I've had so many women who have come to me and said, well, I mean, I had horrible menstrual pain until my 30s when I found out I had endometriosis. And the whole time I thought it was normal because my mom has it, my sister has it, my best friend has it, and everyone I know has it. And so we forget that common and normal don't mean healthy. And in Hormone Intelligence, the book, I actually say being a woman is not a diagnosis. And the reason I say that is even when women do go to the doctor's office, a lot of times a doctor will just say, PMS is normal. Everyone has it. Or menstrual pain is normal. Everyone has it. Just take the pill or just take ibuprofen and the pill. But that's not really the answer. You're right. It's not what we're meant to endure. They're just band-aids. They really are. So we're going to get to the root cause of why we have the pain, why we have these symptoms. So anyone listening, please don't ignore them and dive deep into healing them because you're going to feel way better within yourself and then that'll affect every area of your life. Okay, now I would love to shift gears a little. Let's pretend you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world. Besides your amazing books, let's presume they're already in the curriculum. What is one other book you would choose? If it were a health book. So there's a book that's no longer in print, unfortunately, and it just went out of print, but it's called Our Bodies Ourselves. And there's one for teenage boys and one for teenage girls. It's so funny because my nephew, who's now 40, but when he was 13, he had a bar mitzvah. And I gave him a copy of that book for his bar mitzvah. And my sister-in-law said, what is in that book? Because Adam just keeps going into the bathroom and locking the door with that book. And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) It's like, it's not that, but it's just the book about what to expect and 
sexuality and contraception and what your different body parts are and what is and isn't normal and the mental health shifts that we go through in becoming adults. So I would hands down, put that book in print and put it in every teenager's hand. Amazing. Oh, that's such a shame. It's not in print anymore. I know. Okay. Let's talk about how your day looks. I love hearing about people's morning routines and how your day unfolds. Can you talk us through it? What are your little rituals, your routines? How do you set yourself up for success? Can you kind of talk us through a typical day in your life? I know no two days are ever the same, but a typical day. Yeah. I mean, they are really different. So, I mean, today, for example, I woke up and I kind of knew that we were meeting today. So I knew it was going to be my evening time. So I gave myself a slower start to the morning and started my work day a little bit later. So I actually, I just got a new jump rope, a weighted jump rope. So I had some decaf coffee. I went up and I jumped rope to boy band music, like the Clash and the Kinks, and did some free weights. Then I came down, I had a shower, and then my husband had gone out to the garden and gotten the greens, and we had heated up the frittata that I made last night, and we had breakfast. And I got dressed by the time I got my day started it was like 10 o'clock. And then I sat down and I did a little bit of email. And then I got into the bulk of the project that I had on, on tap for today, had some meetings. We had kind of a snack in between today because I knew we were going to eat a little bit of an earlier dinner and we had a little bit of a later breakfast. So that's just one day, but I would say like a typical day, I get up somewhere between 6.30 and 7.30. And I, it depends on the time of the year. So like we kind of get up with the light because we east face our bedroom. We don't have any curtains or anything. We live in the country. So when the light comes up, the light comes up, sun comes up. And I usually lay in bed for a few minutes and just kind of wake up, think about my, you know, reflect on my dreams. What do they mean? Breathe. Sometimes my husband and I have a little intimate time or sometimes we just talk, which is intimate too. Yeah, then we go about it. We may go out to the garden for a little while, depending on the season, get what we need for breakfast, do a little garden work, or we may take a long walk, or we may have a workout. Or if it's a busy work day ahead, that might be a day we just kind of jump right into it by around 8.30. Yeah, it kind of flows a little bit differently, but that's the heart of it, right? We are fortunate that we work from home and my kids are grown. So we're not in the swirl of having to go out for a job or get our kids off to school or anything like that. So we can really have a little bit more of a self-defined, self-paced day. Now that the kids are grown, the other thing that we really love is on Sunday mornings in the summer, we get up and we go work in the garden. But in Sunday mornings in the fall and the winter, we get up on Sunday mornings and one of us makes tea or coffee. And then we read in bed for sometimes like two hours and then get up and have a walk. That's kind of how it works in the evening. It depends on what we're feeling like doing, but we may, we often make dinner together or one of the other of us makes dinner and then we have dinner together. And then after dinner, we might play Scrabble or talk or watch a show on Netflix. And then we try to hit pause by about 10 o'clock and then read in bed. And then we should read in bed for, depending on what time we get in bed to read, it could be half hour, it could be an hour, it could be five minutes and we're asleep. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. That's so beautiful. 
I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Do it. (laughs) Yep. Okay. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Just one thing everyone can try today. Drink more water. And I know that sounds really simple, but as women, we're often chronically dehydrated. And one of the symptoms that women report to me a lot is brain fog. And we actually have these cells that shrink in our brain when they're not hydrated. So just drinking six to eight glasses of eight ounces of water, water with lemon every day can make a huge difference in your energy. Sometimes we confuse thirst and hunger. So water. I'll be more rapid. That wasn't entirely rapid. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. What is one thing we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Just do it. You know, I think that so often we think it, we overthink it, we let our doubts hold us back and just launch and learn. It won't be perfect necessarily, but just don't overthink or hesitate on your dream. Georgia O'Keefe had a quote where she said, I'm terrified every day of my life, but I never let it stop me from doing anything. So just do it. I love that. That needs to be a quote. Okay, last one. What is one thing we can do for more love in our life? I think give it, you know, give it to ourselves and give it to others. Beautiful. So simple. Yeah, exactly. And everyone can do it. I think we think of love as something we have to receive and forget that actually the giving of it is as feel good and often creates the return of it as well. Absolutely. As long as it's people worthy of it, worthy of receiving it. Exactly. Exactly. This has been so beautiful. I am so grateful for everything that you've shared. Is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't yet discussed? Hmm. I would say that one of my favorite quotes is just one of these anonymous quotes that I heard many years ago that I love and return to over and over and over again with my patients, which is your body has the ability to heal beyond anything we've ever been led to believe. Your body has the ability to heal beyond anything you've ever been led to believe. So I'd love to just share that. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much for all of your incredible work that you do in the world the books, the programs, everything that you do. You're giving so much. You're helping so many people. You're serving so many people. So I want to know what I and the listeners can do to give back and serve you today. Oh my gosh. Come hang out over on my Instagram page. Just follow me on Instagram because it's the hub of where I let everyone know what's going on. I share things there many days of the week. It's a wonderful way to connect and interact with me. So come over to Ram on Instagram. Beautiful. And we'll link to that as well as all of your incredible books and website and everything in the show notes. This has been so beautiful. I want to thank Thank you you. so much for all the work that you're doing for all the incredible women out there and men. But thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for taking this time to have this conversation with me. I'm so happy to connect with you. Me too.
I truly hope you got so much out of this episode. I don't want anyone to not feel like they can show up as the best version of themselves. And often we need to look at what is going on internally, physically, and mentally so that we can show up as the best version of ourselves. If you got a lot out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and help and support and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will pop up in your feed so you never have to go searching for a new episode. Also, come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode. I love hearing from you each week, so please come and share. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Don't forget to head to comparisonitis.com to get your copy of my latest book and all the free goodies that go with it. I cannot wait for you to read it and to hear what you think.